This morning, I, I think it would help us because there is such rich content in this gospel lesson to hear a different perspective from the message on that same passage. And we're going to break it down just a little bit so that we have a good understanding by the time uh, we're done here this morning of what Jesus was trying to accomplish there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. John begins, after this, Jesus appeared again to the disciples, this time at the Tiberias Sea, the Sea of Galilee. This is how he did it. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed Twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the brothers Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter announced, I'm going fishing. The rest of them replied, we're going with you. They went out and got in the boat, and they caught nothing that night. When the sun came up, Jesus was standing on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to them, Good morning, did you catch anything for breakfast? They answered, No. He said, Throw the net off the right side of the boat and see what happens. They did what he said, and all of a sudden there were so many fish in it, They weren't strong enough to pull it in. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the master. When Simon Peter realized that it was indeed the master, he threw on some clothes, for he was stripped for work, and dove into the sea. The other disciples came in by boat, for they weren't far from land, a hundred yards or so, pulling along the net full of fish. When they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore, 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Not one of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the master. Jesus then took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had shown himself alive to the disciples since being raised from the dead. Now here are some thoughts on those first 14 verses of John's gospel in chapter 21. After the resurrection, when he appeared to the disciples before this third appearance on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had told the disciples, go to Galilee and I will meet you there. Now, it wasn't clear to the disciples what they should be doing once they got there. So they fish. I mean, isn't that the way we are? When things don't go the way that we hoped, when our future is a little bit unclear, when we're in that state of limbo where we can't move forward because we don't know exactly what we're to be doing and and we're stagnant, 
and we fall back on our old ways because they're familiar. On the way we used to be, to the things that we used to do, we go back into the comfort zone from whence we came. And that's what the disciples do here. What do we do? I don't know. We might as well fish. So John says in the gospel here that they catch nothing that night. Which is significant. In every account of disciples fishing, not once do they ever catch anything without Jesus. Whether we're fishing for fish or fishing for people, We are always more successful when Jesus is present. When we allow Jesus to be the master fisherman, the haul is always more abundant. And the disciples learn as we must learn that apart from Christ, they can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. In this passage, Jesus appears in the morning. This is a biblical truth. That hope comes in the morning. It's symbolic of the appearance of the light of understanding. The light of revelation. Of spiritual awakening. The light of truth dawns on the disciples with the appearance of Jesus. And in that same way, in our experience, the appearance of Jesus in the midst of our circumstances, whatever they may be, brings understanding, revelation, transformation, hope, redemption, reconciliation. All of this Jesus brings. Jesus directs them to throw the net on the right side of the boat. And when they obey, they fill the nets to overflowing. Obedience results in fruit, or in this case, fish. When we follow God's word, good things happen. Order happens. Peace happens. Provision happens. And we see that the provision here, Jesus has breakfast waiting for them on top of everything that they've just realized with the net full of fish. And that speaks to us of his grace and provision and love for them and for us. There's nothing quite like a hot breakfast especially one that someone else has prepared for you. On weekday mornings, I get up about 4.30ish, spend a few moments with the Lord, get ready for work, and then I make my way from Huffman to Tomball, where our clinic ministry is. And I get to Tomball by about 6.30 in the morning, and I stop in to the local diner, 
where I meet with other pastors and other people in the community and we share prayer and fellowship and breakfast before I go into the clinic for the day. Now the diner doesn't really open till seven. But Scott, the manager, lets our prayer group in each morning, joins us most times. And anyone who comes by needing prayer, he lets in before the doors officially open. Now when I go in, the staff there knows how I take my coffee, black. They know how I like my eggs, over medium. They know how I like my toast, wheat, no butter, blackberry preserves, sometimes strawberry. And they know how I like my bacon, extra crispy. Or if it's an oatmeal day, because man does not live by eggs and bacon alone. And my wife tells me I can't. They know I like it with a little brown sugar and raisins, and I don't even have to order it. They just ask, eggs or oatmeal, pastor? And I have to tell you that either way they bring it, it's just like I like it, and there is nothing so comforting as that hot breakfast prepared by others combined with the fellowship of pastors and the ministry that we share to the people who need prayer and counsel. There's nothing quite so comforting as that breakfast not because it's just the provision of food, but because it's prepared with genuine love and concern for all who are partaking. Breakfast is a symbol of that, I think, here in this gospel. So Jesus invites them to the table and he breaks bread, and in this case, fish. And once again, they recognize him in the act of fellowship and communion. Every time Jesus breaks bread, revelation occurs. Just as the disciples recognize him at the breaking of the bread, we too see Christ when we seek him at the communion table on those Sunday mornings when we do that. Now, there's more to the story after, after the, the fishing expedition and after the breakfast. See, a, a while ago, I did a 21-day fast. Have any of you ever fasted? Cindy has. Well, it's, it's, it's an interesting experience. It's a remarkable experience, and the Bible encourages us to practice fasting along with prayer for the purpose of spiritual illumination and insight. So I would encourage you to try it. You don't have to completely go off of food and water. Um, and there's many ways to do it. If you're interested in that, come talk to me, because it's, it's a discipline that might provide you with some insight. But this one day, I heard this, this whisper. It's a, a thin, sheer silence that could be heard. And it told me that obedience is essential not only to ministry, 
but in life as well. And that I should practice it for a while in order to become proficient in it. Now you can take that a couple of different ways. But for me, the fast was an exercise in obedience and submission to the authority and will of God. It wasn't for me to prove to God that I could be obedient. That wasn't what it was about. But for God to show me that in His strength, through the power of His Holy Spirit, that any of us have the ability to be obedient. So you may be thinking, Pastor, why is this even important? Well, I'll tell you. You see, for me, my call to be here as a preacher came in, in midlife. It came at a point in my life where I had already had ample time and opportunity to fall ridiculously short of the glory of God. Every day, I would fall short of the high standards that God has laid out for His people. I took full advantage of that. My life before Christ is a testimony to the God's small g of selfishness, pride, disobedience. Some might say that I had accumulated vast life experience in my years, and there is not much that I have not seen, done, experienced. And as a result, because I know who I was without Christ, I must constantly work to abandon my former self. I must control my soul so that it does not default back to my former setting, that of sinful man. The person that keeps me from reverting to my default setting is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit holds my sinful self in check because left to my own devices, I'm not capable of avoiding my default setting. Keeping myself in check requires practicing obedience, requires listening to the, the, to the Spirit. See, obedience is an action word. The more I practice it, the better I get at it, and the more natural it feels because the Holy Spirit is working this issue of sinful man from the inside out. So the day before I began my fast, this audible silence broke into my consciousness and said to me, let me show you that you can be obedient, not by willpower, but by God's power. Let me show you that your call to ministry is valid and that by grace I've made you worthy, despite who you are. Let me show you that real life is love 
and repentance and obedience. Now, when I responded to the question, I responded with a question. Why, Lord, why me? And that same sheer silence answered with a question. Do you love me? Do you love me? See, the Gospel of John here unlocks many things for us about Jesus and His ministry. And I like for us to look at it as a model for our ministry. And in this chapter, Jesus asked Simon Peter that very same question. It says, after breakfast, after I have poured out my love and abundance and grace and mercy to you, after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then he said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was upset that he asked for the third time, do you love me? So he answered, master... You know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wished. But when you get old, you'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint at the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he commanded, follow me. Now if you know Simon Peter's story, then you know this. Peter's name means the rock. And it's his faith in Christ His faith in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit that was the foundation upon which Christ built the church. Don't misunderstand. It wasn't built on Peter. It was built on the faith that Peter had. Built on faith. You also know that Peter, when questioned as to whether or not he was a follower of Jesus denied Christ three times. And it's significant then that Jesus allows Peter three opportunities to affirm his love for Christ and thus gives him three opportunities to redeem each and every time he denied Jesus. Just thinking about that in our own circumstances should grab you by the heart. Three times Simon Peter denied Jesus and three times Jesus 
gave him the opportunity for redemption, which thankfully he took. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter knew he was not worthy of shepherding the people of God. He knew he was not equipped for the job. He knew he had already fallen short at least three times. But Jesus asked the question, do you love me? And with that question, Peter was able to respond with a yes. And each yes canceled out all of his transgressions. His yes wiped the slate clean. So Peter took his redemption and he went on to do great things for the kingdom. And in that same way, Each of us can take our redemption and use it to do great things for God. And as long as we continue to say yes to Christ's question, do you love me? Then He will continue to say to us, lead my people, feed my people, take care of my people. And we will go wherever He sends us out of obedience and out of love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.